Hey everyone, welcome back to the Heretical Podcast. I'm super excited about today's content because we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. I believe there's a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding today surrounding who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, what his role is in the life of a Christian and the life of the church. And so I really want to break through some of those modern misconceptions today and get to what does the Bible really say about the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been raised in church or been around Christianity for any length of time, you've probably been exposed to two, one of two different errors regarding the Holy Spirit. If you were raised in a more traditional fundamentalist kind of church, you may not have heard much about the Holy Spirit. That maybe your church had an orthodox confession of faith that said the Holy Spirit is God, that there's one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so they acknowledge the existence of the Holy Spirit, but you don't hear much of him beyond that. They don't seem to think that he plays an active life in the role of a believer. And that, that's certainly not true of every traditional or conservative church, but it's an error that tends to exist within that camp. But then you have on the other end of the spectrum, you have more charismatic people who are all about the Holy Spirit. You know, they like to speak in tongues. They like to talk about prophecies and they'll attribute all sorts of miracles and stuff to the Holy Spirit. Uh, but a lot of times they can go sort of far, like they can go kind of crazy and people get uncomfortable when they're in charismatic church gatherings. And so what does the Bible actually say? Is it one extreme or the other, or does the Bible sort of meet us somewhere in the middle? And so I want us to look at some Bible passages that tell us who the Holy Spirit is and sort of refute some of these modern misunderstandings of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to look first at Joel 2.28. So Joel was a prophet in the Old Testament times, preaching to the kingdom of Israel. And in Joel 2.28, he's giving these, this prophecy about the last days, about when God is going to do a marvelous work among his people. And he says this in Joel 2.28, he says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. Now, what is God talking about? This, this sounds like some pretty crazy stuff. Like, when is this going to happen? Like, have we seen it yet? And the answer to this lies in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. So it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so after this, it leads to them going out and they're speaking in tongues in public in front of a bunch of people. And it just so happens that this time it was the Feast of Pentecost. And so people were coming up to Jerusalem to sort of worship God. And they're from all different nations. Like these are people that have sought God. They, they've sort of followed the Jewish religion, but they're from all sorts of nations across the earth. And they happen to be in this one place. And Peter gets up there and begins preaching the gospel because what these people are hearing, they're hearing, their, they're hearing the glories of God being preached in their own language. And so God knew this would happen. This would be the day when everyone of all these different ethnicities, of all these different languages would be gathering. And so he uses that as an opportunity for the gospel to be shared. And so these believers speak in tongues through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Peter begins to address them and preach the gospel to them. 
And so starting in verse um, 14, this is when Peter begins to speak this sermon. And he quotes Joel in verse 17. He quotes this prophecy from Joel that we just read. And he, he tells him what the purpose of this is. He says that they are witnesses to Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ was crucified, that he died and was buried and was raised on the third day. And he's explaining this message to him. And he tells the Jews that they're responsible, that they were the ones who killed Jesus. And so it says in verse 37, it says, now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And so what was the purpose? I mean, they spoke in tongues. That's super cool. A lot of uh, churches, a lot of denominations emphasize speaking in tongues. But what we see here is that speaking in tongues was not an end in itself. The idea was to get people to see the glory of God, to get their attention, and then share the gospel with them. And we see this pattern throughout the book of Acts. In the very next chapter, Acts 3, they heal a lame man by the power of God. And when they do that, it provides them the opportunity to preach the gospel to the amazed bystanders who have, bystanders who have seen this miracle. And we see that throughout the book of Acts. The goal of the power of the Holy Spirit is not his power in and of itself. It's not miracles or signs and wonders in and of themselves. It's the gospel. The goal is for people to hear the gospel and get saved. And so I want to look at who is the Holy Spirit. What is he like? What is his personality? Now, a lot of people think of him as an impersonal force. And this is really sad, but so many people think of the Holy Spirit as if he's just this inanimate object. They don't recognize him as God. And even if they say that he is God, a lot of times the way we speak about him can tend to have more of this inanimate object vibe. If we talk about, you know, the Holy Spirit flowing or the Holy Spirit moving, like, yes, he does move, but are we saying it with this understanding that he is God, that he has a will? Or are we saying, you know, he's flowing just like some sort of liquid or he filled the room like he was some sort of, you know, like he was the air we breathe or something like that. And I'm not saying all of those ideas are incorrect to describe the Holy Spirit, but when we reduce him merely to an elect, this, this inanimate force, it, it reduces his glory because he is God and we have to understand that he is God. So he's not, you know, this feeling, he's not this vibe, he's not like the force from Star Wars. I feel like a lot of people treat the Holy Spirit as if he's the force from Star Wars. It's like, hey, you know, get the Holy Spirit and he'll give you these special Jedi powers and stuff. You know, he'll give you the ability to heal and stuff like that. Yes, he does provide the ability to heal, but he's not just there for the sake of you to do cool things. He should be worshipped because he is God. We see throughout scripture, the Holy Spirit is characterized as a person who has a will. In Ephesians 4.30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You cannot grieve an inanimate object. And so this is explaining that he has a personality. He can be lied to. Acts 5.3, 
it says that they, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. Well, you can't lie to an inanimate object. You know, if I tell a desk something that's not true, it's not like I've sinned because I'm not, that desk doesn't have a conscience. It can't be lied to. And so we see this throughout the Holy Spirit. We see these things that make it clear that the Holy Spirit has a will. He has a personality. We also see very clearly that he is God. Genesis 1-2, right off the bat, the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1-2 says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so the Holy Spirit was involved in this work of creation. We see that the whole Trinity was involved. If you look at John chapter 1, verse 3, it says that all things were created through Jesus Christ. And we know that the Father was also involved in creation. So all three members of the Trinity are at work in the creation. There are other verses that point to the Holy Spirit as being God. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, when Jesus is telling them to go into the world and make disciples, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so he wouldn't put the Holy Spirit there if, you know, if he wasn't God. Like if you're baptizing someone in the name of the Spirit, you must be baptizing them in the name of God. And it's singular. It's one name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so some would say it's, it's interpreting that as these are three members of one trinity. And we can't prove that just from this one verse alone. But the fact that he mentions the Holy Spirit in tandem with the Father and the Son indicates that, yes, this is God that we're talking about here. Romans 8, 9 through 11 also speaks to this as well when it talks about the Spirit of Christ and the Spirit of God. Like He uses some terms interchangeably, indicating that the Holy Spirit is God. So we see that he's not this impersonal force, that he is God. We also see that he is our guide. John 14, 26, Jesus is telling the disciples that the Holy Spirit will guide them into all truth. 1 John 2, 29 tells us that the Holy Spirit guides us. Romans 8, 14, Galatians 5, 18. So many scriptures that speak to the Holy Spirit guiding us. And it's really important to know that one of the main roles of the Holy, actually, I'm going to save this for the next part because I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, next, we've, since we've talked about who is the Holy Spirit, I want to talk about what does the Holy Spirit do? What is his role? One of his primary roles is that he glorifies Jesus Christ. That, that's his role. His goal is to shine a spotlight on Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus tells the disciples that the Spirit will bring to their memory everything that Jesus says Jesus also says and this is in the upper room discourse which is John 13 or 14 through John 17 I believe um it people may disagree as to where it ends and where it begins but it's it's this last sermon that Jesus gives before he departs for the cross but he said he tells the disciples the holy spirit glorifies him we also see that the holy spirit is involved in the work of salvation in John chapter 3, verses 6 through 7, so this is 10 verses before the famous, For God so loved the world, Jesus is talking about how you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born of water and the Spirit. So the Spirit is essential in the work of salvation. One of the things he does is he empowers us to understand the gospel. We are only able to understand the gospel through his help. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that, there are certain things that can only be discerned spiritually because they're spiritual things. Like the natural man cannot understand them. 
And so only by the Holy Spirit are we truly able to understand the implications of the gospel. We also see in, in the scripture that the Holy Spirit makes us respond to the gospel. We cannot respond to the gospel without the power of the Holy Spirit. And furthermore, not only does the Holy Spirit, not only is he involved in the work of salvation, he is also involved in the work of sanctification, of making us holy. There's this progressive trend throughout the Christian life that if we have been saved, we are going to be made more and more like Jesus. And that's not possible in our own power. It's only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Galatians 5 tells us about the fruit of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit produces fruit like love and joy and peace and kindness in us. He is in this process of making us more and more like Jesus Christ. And as we said earlier, there are certain things in Scripture that can only be spiritually understood. And so the Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture for us. That's one of the roles of the Spirit. And this is sort of off topic, but one of the other roles that he had in the past was guiding the authors of Scripture. In First Peter, he says that we didn't follow these cleverly devised myths. No, the prophets were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That was how they wrote Scripture, because the Holy Spirit was the one inspiring them to write it. So the Holy Spirit delivers the Word of God, and then he helps us to understand it. And lastly for today, I want to look at how he empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. And one of the main ways he empowers us is for evangelism. Now, every Christian should be bold about their faith when they're given an opportunity to share the gospel. They should do so. But a lot of times that can be pretty scary. We don't know the words to say. You know, we may be worried that they're going to come at us with some great argument against Christianity and we're not going to know what to do to respond. We're afraid of making God look dumb because we can't answer their questions. There, there's all sorts of fears when it comes to sharing our faith. But Jesus tells the disciples in Matthew chapter 10 that there's going to be a time when they'll be called before kings. They'll be called before all these authorities to give an account. And when they do, he says, don't worry beforehand what you are to say, for the Holy Spirit will give you in that hour what you are to say. So the Holy Spirit brings to our memory what Christ has said to us, and he empowers us to use that in evangelistic conversations. The Holy Spirit gives us power. He gives us the words when we need them, when we're sharing our faith with others. He also empowers us for spiritual gifts. We see this in Romans 12 and most overtly in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. It talks about all sorts of spiritual gifts like prophecy and speaking in tongues, gifts of healing, gifts of discernment. But it makes it very clear that the Holy Spirit is the one empowering these. And again, this isn't for our own glory. We don't do exercise spiritual gifts in order to look cool in front of others or for our own benefit. The end goal is always the gospel. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He gives us these gifts so that we can glorify God, so that we can bring attention to God and share the gospel with other people. And so this is going to be a shorter episode, but I think it's really cool just to succinctly summarize the role of the Holy Spirit. First of all, understanding who he is and getting past these modern misconceptions that present the Holy Spirit as just this impersonal force or this vibe. You know, you hear people talk about, you know, oh, I felt the Holy Spirit during worship or, you know, the Holy Spirit was hitting hard today or something like that. 
And I don't know that that's always the most reverent way to talk about him. Like the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. He is the, the sovereign God of the universe, and we should respect him in that way. We understand that the Holy Spirit is God, that he is our guide, and that he saves us, that he sanctifies us, and that he empowers us with all these different spiritual gifts for ministry. And so that's just a really brief overview of the work of the Holy Spirit. And maybe somewhere down the road, I'll do like a whole series on this because you really can do a whole series like this. This subject is just full of all sorts of awesome things. Um, but that's just a brief overview. Hope it edified you. Thank you for listening into this podcast today. Again, I really appreciate y'all taking the time to listen to this. Um, if you are on Apple Podcasts, feel free to give a review or give a rating to our podcast as well as on Spotify. And as always, our Instagram and X handles are at Heretical Show. That's also our YouTube channel. Uh, and I hope to start getting some content up on YouTube pretty soon. This podcast is only the beginning. I, I, I love this podcast and like the ability to just speak in audio format, but I'm hoping to build out a big media sort of thing, for lack of a better term, a media thing. It's very descriptive, uh, but a media thing that involves YouTube and X and other platforms to share the gospel, to share uh, theology, to share apologetics, sharing our faith, all that sort of stuff and easy short videos that are understandable that make these really complicated topics of theology easy to understand so i've got some super cool stuff coming down the pipeline that i can't wait to share with you but thank you again for listening and hope to see you in the next episode peace